everybody. Fan Culture Podcast, episode 38. Thank you guys for tuning in again. Uh, we got Brandon, we got Carl here. Hopefully, we get Sakani on. Uh, how y'all feeling? Feeling good, man. Feel good. What's up? What's up? So, a lot of big NBA news. Uh, we'll get into that. Obviously, the biggest issue being the the boycott that we saw basically over the past two days as far as postponing NBA games. So, we'll get plenty of reaction on that. Let's start with uh, unveiling our NBA top 10 players because we actually had some conversations over the weekend um, where I made the comment that I think Luca could be arguably in people's top 10. And, you know, we kind of had our opinions on that. So let's unveil our top 10s. Who wants to go with their top 10 first? Laker fan. Y'all number one in the West, so you got to go first. Yeah, neither one of our teams are in the playoffs, so you got to go. All right. And it's got to be in order. I didn't put it in order. Nah, I got in order, man. All right, I'll go then because I had mine in order. I was telling Carl about it already. All right, so my top ten, number one, I still got to go Braun. I mean, he's playing at an MVP level, so I'm going to go Braun one. Two – Although he wasn't on the court this season, KD, I'm just going off of what we've seen. We don't know how he's going to come back next year, but based off what we've seen, he's number two, you know, player in the in the world right now. Three and four is a toss up for me. Um, I'm going to give it to Giannis though, the likely you know back to back NBA MVP. I'm going to give it to Giannis at a at three. Uh, Kawhi, I'm going to go number four. I still got Steph at in my top five, so I'm going to go Steph at number five. James Harden, six, seven, AD, eight. I got the newcomer. I got Luca at number eight. Even with the short resume, just what he's done so far is things we've never seen anybody else do before. Um, so that was Luca at eight. Nine, I'm going to go Dame. Uh, Dame and Luca are probably interchangeable at this point, but I'm going to go Dame nine. And 10, I'm going to wrap up with Russell Westbrook. Um, 10, 11, 12 are kind of are kind of toss ups as well, but I'll, I'll say Russ off of his play this year as well has secured that 10th spot. So yeah, that's my top 10 in order. Yes, we just doing this backwards then. Um, yeah, I guess. I'm sure. You know, honestly, I feel like it's only fair, and it's not just based on the accolade. Um, I have other reasons why, but I'm gonna go with Giannis number one in the NBA right now not just because of what he does offensively, also because of what he does defensively. And because when you look at the other players that might be in my top five, I feel like he uh, can have the most success with the worst running mate or the worst, uh, you know, like co-star. Supporting cast, co-star. Yeah, like just with uh, Chris Middleton. I'm not a huge fan. I know he's been an all-star. I feel like he can be replaced any year that he has been with someone who wasn't. But – um, I'm definitely going with Giannis number one. I'll place LeBron two. I agree with what you said about uh, Kevin Durant and just kind of picking up where he left off the last that I saw him. Uh, but as for right now, I feel like, you know, what he did with Russell Westbrook, what he did with Steph, what he did with Clay, you know, I, I see Giannis doing the same thing in terms of being, well, I mean, he didn't win the championship yet. But I'm just talking about, like, regular season success, winning the MVP, uh, being number one in your conference, and he doesn't have the same cast that Kevin Durant has had. 
Uh, so I'll place Kevin Durant at three. I'll go Kawhi Leonard at four. At five, I would actually place James Harden. I feel like he's a little bit better than Steph Curry. I feel like for a long time, he's been a little underrated defensively. I feel like people are starting to see him perform better defensively. It's something I believe he's always had. He's just feeling a little more of a need and urgency uh, to uh, display it, especially in moments where it's absolutely needed. The fact that he can rebound and facilitate and score all on a nightly basis uh, more consistently than uh, Steph Curry, I would give him five. I'll put Curry at six. I'll agree with Anthony Davis at seven, which kind of at this point is really just purely based on talent because he hasn't done much as the number one guy. Um, But I'll I'll definitely put him there. Um, Honestly, when I go down the list, I like Luka at eight as well. I definitely cannot leave Damian Lillard out of my top ten. I like him at nine, but rounding off my top ten, I'll actually go with Joel Embiid. I feel like it's another Anthony Davis type just based on pure talent to be that big and to be that good at so many things on the court, um, I'll have to place him at the uh, at number 10 on my list. That's solid. That's real solid. All right, Brandon, you have plenty of time to do ranking now. So what you got? Mine is low-key similar to yours. Um, just when you get into, like um, – five six seven like that's when it starts to get like a little bit more closer and to me i feel like right now if we're doing solely based off like what we've seen in the nba it's hard because not everybody's playing right now and that's always the case but um best player i would say would be lebron james you know especially what he's doing in year 17. Giannis would be uh, two for sure. Uh, I just feel like we've seen him so far. We haven't seen him in in any finals. We haven't seen him in any finals. We haven't seen him like – I mean, we've seen him in the playoffs, I believe, but we haven't seen him in any finals. But I think, like, um, it's crazy to think, like, his uh, ceiling is, you know, where it, it could be in the next – four to five years. Um, so, yeah, I think he definitely has a very high ceiling. KD, whenever KD is healthy, that's my number three. Whenever he's healthy, I feel like he is, on a given night, the best player in the world. They just He just plays different. Than LeBron. LeBron is a facilitator first, but, like, every time I see KD, he does something that, like, I'm just like, all to be doing like what you're doing first of all but like his skill level is on another level then you got um see now this one would be different for me if this other the other person that like um that i want to have above had rings and they don't so why at four you know And on a given night, could be the best player or best defender, you know, in the world. I just uh, – uh, and then five would be Anthony Davis. I feel like Anthony Davis is 
there. You know, if you're building out your your roster and you need you need a big man, I would start with Anthony Davis. Um, you know, nine times out of ten, with what we have. I mean, either who else would you guys pick besides AD to start out the team? If, start if I asked you to start out with a big man, it'd be Anthony Davis. I know probably you mentioned Joel Embiid, Giannis. You know, players like that that were that can play inside and outside. No, a little. Excuse me. Feel like I feel like it's just been those types of players to dominate the NBA that. Uh, that guard most positions and, like, play inside and outside. And then at a very close six position, I have Steph, best shooter ever. Um, it's just been a while since we've got to see him play. Nothing diminishes his skill set. Um, I'm just thinking currently right now, and I guess that dropped head just a, just a little bit. But, I mean, that does – the championships, the scoring titles, you know, the MVPs. Everybody knows who Steph Curry is. Um, James Harden would be after Steph. Then I would have – I feel like I'm forgetting. I want to say Kyrie, but Kyrie can't stay healthy. So it's, it's questionable. But um, I'd say Dan. And then 9 and 10. Luca at 9. I would have... I don't know who to my 10th spot with. Hmm. I mean, Embiid wasn't a bad pick at all. Just like uh, you know, Carl had him in the top ten. I mean, dude's a, dude's a monster. Contavious Caldwell Pope. Oh, I know who I'll Kuzma. pick. Devin Booker. Hmm. Interesting. That, that, that's an interesting pick. Um. I mean, for. For me personally, I'd probably put Devin Booker maybe more so top twenty than top ten. I mean, he's 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 ascending, obviously. I mean, he's got a he's got a high ceiling, but uh, I would I would give him top twenty right now. You're probably more more around top fifteen even. I, I can give that to him, but yeah, but the NBA is just so deep. I mean, you got guys that great players that we didn't even mention. Yeah, Brandon, you mentioned Kyrie. Um, you know, Paul George isn't on the list. Um, you know, Embiid made Carl's top ten, but not mine. Um, Nikola Jokic, Donovan yeah, Mitchell, Booker, Donovan Mitchell, um, Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, with the uh, or Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons. Yeah, so I mean, that just shows how deep the league is, and. If we got top 20, I bet you we'd have some, you know, way different, you know, kind of second-tier players in that bottom 10. But, uh, yeah, the league is just so deep. It starts to get to the point where it's just kind of more so about preference. I feel like the top five are fairly yeah. undisputed. Top five or six are fairly undisputed. Everyone kind of 
has them, you know, maybe different order, but the top sixes are the same people. Um, and then, yeah, seven, eight, nine, ten, I feel like are solidifying themselves now as well, especially with, you know, Luca already being around eight, nine in all three of our lists. Uh, who knows where he'll be in the next two years, which is kind of crazy to even think about. Um, I think I mentioned uh, Russ, neither one of you guys mentioned Russ. So yeah, it's just crazy. It's crazy how, how deep the league is. I didn't want to have the same one, and he was the first one that came to mind. But I, I think it's kind of – I don't know what it is about this player, but I don't hear his name come up a ton. But Kyle Lowry, you know, himself, proven himself time and time again of being a top player in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, when he was a perennial – well, I guess he didn't even just recently make the All-Star. When he was kind of at his top of his prime with, you know uh, – DeRozan, I remember a lot of people kind of considering him, you know, top 15, you know, at the time. I think now it's just kind of, yes, we know who Kyle Lowry is. We don't expect him to be, you know, the best player on a championship team. Even if the Raptors were to win it this year, he's not the best player on the team. We That's Pascal Siakam, another guy who could potentially be a top 15, top 20 player. So I think it's, it's difficult because you have – the players individual like and but also how they play with um players i mean um or just like as a team i don't know i I find more so on like the individual that could like i mean if you were doing this if you're doing if they're one-on-one like is that fair or is that not fair? I would say that's not fair because, I mean, okay, you got Dane versus Joel Embiid one-on-one. Whoever wins gets a higher ranking. That ain't right, you know? Uh, Giannis versus Kyrie. That's not fair at all. Yeah. And, I mean, and even when you talk about, like, number one, two, three, is KD's probably going to beat LeBron one-on-one, if we're being honest, but that doesn't necessarily make him the better player. They, I, I remember seeing something. I can't remember which player it was, but uh, it might have been Mario Chalmers making a comment about how when he was on the Heat, Michael Beasley used to beat LeBron James in one-on-one games in practice all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. But nobody yeah. is going to say Michael Beasley was better than LeBron. One-on-one only goes so far. Like, I had, yeah. uh, had a conversation – uh, the other day on Facebook, I, I made a joke to somebody about how he has uh, Kobe Bryant in his all-time top five. So they asked me about my top five, and I gave them my list. And uh, some guy replied saying Kareem couldn't mess with Shaq. Same thing. One-on-one has nothing to do with an all-time ranking. This isn't the most talented or who would win one-on-one. You know, just who you are as an individual, not necessarily matching up and playing against, but how you and your talent matches up against another person and their talent, or you and your success matching up against someone else's success. And it can be just what I see on paper, the way it plays in my mind, you know, with what I see, you know, the you know, like Brandon, me and you playing, I beat you one-on-one. That don't mean I'm better. Like, we all know who is. I, you know, I might have got lucky. How many times do we have to play to determine it? 
Because if we played twice and we both win a game, all right, now we tied. Y'all equals. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, I think it's it comes down to people's preference. And, you know, I think a lot of people can't decipher the difference between the most talented player and the best player or even the best player and the greatest players. I feel like there's even levels to that. Like greatness is what you do, you know, when the stakes are the highest, you know what I mean? Like a player like Joel Embiid can be one of the most talented, but what if he doesn't show up in the playoffs when it matters? Paul George being one, Paul George is probably supremely talented. He's probably a top 10 talent in the league, but his performance when it matters has not been good. So you can't consider him a top 10 greatest player in the league right now. His resume yeah, don't show up. They definitely confuse that when creating the actual list, you know, confusing how talented somebody is, what they can do on the court with how successful they've actually been. T-Mac, one of the most talented players all time. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? If you ask me, no. Mm. Arte. Uh, I mean, what do you do? Right. I mean, I guess it's one of those things – and maybe it's because the Hall of Fame in general has become so diluted that the standard is different for the Hall of Fame nowadays, I feel like. So T-Mac probably does earn a spot because of how it's been diluted. But if you, if Hall of Fame was focused on, and the, it sucks because there's not just an NBA Hall of Fame. It's a Naismith Hall of yeah. Fame. So you got dudes in there that didn't really hoop like that in the league, but their college resume is just so, you know, spectacular that they end up making it in somehow. Um, but T-Mac's tough because, yeah, he didn't, he didn't do much in, in his playing career. He does have a finals appearance, though. He was 30 seconds away from winning a ring. <laughs> yes, yeah, he, but... he was like the ninth best player on the team. <laughs> we, we get that. Yeah, but yeah. if we're just talking about what you could do on the court, he was one of the most talented basketball players I've ever seen. Yeah, no, that's real. That's real. But it was something that separated him, and maybe it was just greater talent as well. But between, like, him and Paul Pierce, for example, you know, Paul Pierce wasn't more talented than him, but no. yet he still got a ring out of it, it you know, showed up and huge moments throughout his career in the playoffs and stuff like that. So that's kind of that difference between like the best and the greatest. Like Paul Pierce was a greater basketball player than him because he had bigger moments than T-Mac ever did. Yeah. Like if we're ranking them, Paul Pierce gets ranked higher simply on the greatest list. But if we're just talking about talent, who could do more, who was better putting T-Mac over Paul Pierce. Right. Shoot, you could even make that conversation with uh, Jordan, for example. Is Jordan the most talented player from top to bottom that we've ever seen in the league? Yes. He is. From top to bottom, everything. Yes. So all facets of shooting. Yes. Three-point shooting, layups, dunks, mid-range. Mid-range, yes. All facets? He is probably the most complete basketball player. Michael Jordan only shot the three-pointer more than 100 times four years in his career. Well, no, 
was it four? It was either four or five years in his career. Within those years, he shot like 36, 37 percent between those four or five years. He never really shot the three like that. Every other year, he might have been two for 20, you know, eight for 40, but he never really shot it. And then you look at it. Okay, let's say I did shoot three for 35 one year. How many of those were half-court heaves at the end of a quarter? Just don't shoot them if you don't shoot them. No, I'm just saying, like, yeah, no, that's if real. it gets counted as a three, like, if if the ball's moving around and I get it back with two seconds left on the shot clock, I got to get the ball up. Otherwise, yeah. I'm getting a – like, a, you might get a turnover. Like, you just throw it up. Like, you never know. But when he actually shot the three, out of those years that he actually shot it, a lot considering those times where you shoot it more than once per game on average. He only had one year where he really shot bad. Everything yeah. else, including that bad year, averaged out to 37%. Yeah, it's just tough because I feel like his his greatness level, because he's number one. I think he's the greatest basketball player ever. I think that that gap between the first greatest and the second greatest is bigger than the talent gap itself. That Yes, I can agree with that. It's just like some people will say Kobe Bryant was more talented because they they always say he Kobe was more skilled. I don't really know how, but mm-hmm. when you what is Michael that? Jordan crafted his game after somebody, but he surpassed that individual so much so that people don't even know who that guy is. You don't know what, what's the point of me even saying his name. You're still not going to know who he is. I know who he is. Kobe Bryant crafted his game after somebody that he could not surpass. And even when you look at the numbers, what did he do? He scored more. He took more shots. He missed more shots than anybody in NBA history. He shot maybe 4% less for his career. I think Kobe shot around 45. Jordan is around 49. I just don't under like the defensive player of the year, uh, the defensive player of the year award. You look at some of Michael Jordan's steals numbers. I don't care who you're playing against. It's hard to get three and a half steals per game when we're all professionals. Yeah. Like I just don't know what like Kobe was Kobe was very what am I trying to say? He was very crafty in the air. Like there were some things that I saw Kobe do in the air that I didn't see Jordan do. Jordan definitely had a better vertical. So him, you know, jumping was more impressive. But what Kobe did, the way he contorted his body in the air, some uh, some difficult shots that he was able to get off over Jordan, which Jordan, a lot of times, he was able to create the space to where the shot was just a little easier. He didn't have to do so much. He didn't force so many bad shots. But I just never saw anything from Kobe that made me think he was more talented than Jordan. And I don't like who, LeBron? No. I, you know, <laughs> like, I don't yeah, I mean, do I have to break down LeBron's game. It's just a no for me. It's because mm-hmm. he won games. He won, he won games more championships. Wait, what but was I, that? I said it's because he won more games. Like, because Jordan won more games. That's why, like, you're looking at if the result is better, 
but also like statistically then there's no way which i can get but like i was gonna that i've i remember hearing people say that like kobe's more skilled i just haven't heard of that um in a while and i did, i don't really know what that means like being a kobe fan and like seeing them play like they both play different like different but the same and i'm talking about like mj but um when it comes to like who's better, I, I feel like I have bias. So I didn't like I didn't watch Mike play, so I don't. My, my favorite player I watched. I grew up like watching Kobe Bryant, and so that's who my favorite player is. But if I, of course, it's just a, like Mike better player, and he has more accolades. Um, but. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's like one A one, one B. Yeah, and, and it, it and it's tough because I know we always get into you know stats. What do the stats look like? And it's hard because you're playing in different eras. You know what I mean? Like the game has just consistently gotten faster and faster, which I think has actually only benefited Jordan's case for being the greatest because. Look at his numbers. Look at how slow the pace was when he averaged 37. You know what I mean? Like, who's averaging 37 now? Harden hasn't even gotten to 37 a game. Uh, and everyone's out here scoring 120, 125 a game. You know, you got – I don't know what the Bulls, uh, you know, scoring average was that year. Couldn't have been more than 100, but he's still scoring 37 a game. You know, it, it's pretty wild. So – we're going to get to the point where there's going to be future players that come along like a Donovan Mitchell. Where does Donovan Mitchell end up on the all-time scoring list? That's not going to make him better than not necessarily going to make him better than a Paul Pierce or a Dwayne Wade or guys like that, that he may pass up along the way. So uh, looking at stats is tough. I try not to put too much stock into it unless you're talking about players from the same era, then that that's fair. I mean, Devin Booker, what did he put up? 72? Uh, 70. 70. Better score than Kevin Durant? Because Kevin Durant never had more than 60? Hell no. I, I, I made the case that KD <laughs> is the best scorer of all time. Like, just in terms of, like, scoring the basketball, no one has done it better than not even talking just statistically, just, you know, in terms of just shooting the basketball, no one has done it better than KD on three levels. I He's, agree with that. I think with yeah. just the ability to do so, I would rank Kevin Durant number one. Yeah, he, he's different. He's different. All right, well, y'all got anything else to add on this top ten, or y'all just want to get into this boycott? No, nah, I'm ready for the nitty-gritty. All right. All right. So uh, let's go on to the NBA uh, boycotting over the past couple days. We're not going to get into all the particulars about, you know, the reason that they're boycotting. If you guys, unless you've been living under a rock, you know what's going on with, regarding uh, Jacob Blake and, you know, Black Lives Matter movement and, and all that good stuff. Uh, so ultimately, the NBA decided to take a stand um, and said, you know, we're just not going, we're not going to rock with this anymore. Um, 
from what I've heard, you guys can definitely pitch in and tell me what you guys have heard, is ultimately the first game yesterday was supposed to be the Bucks and the Magic. Uh, the Magic are actually out on the floor warming up, and the Bucks just never showed up. Um, the Bucks had a press conference, and I think it was George Hill and Sterling Brown were the main two that spoke to the media, you know, saying why they weren't, you know, playing and stuff like that. Um, from what I've heard, there were conversations league-wide about a unified front, and the Bucks may or may not have just gone rogue and decided they were going to do their own thing. Um, but in reaction to, you know, this whole boycott situation, uh, what do you guys take away from this? I know there's a lot to break down. I think the first thing that should be said is rest in peace, Jacob Blake, despite what's all been speculated. I think the one thing that I can say that nobody can deter me away from is you have other options. I feel like NBA players and just a lot of people within our community will, will agree with how I feel when I say this. I feel like a lot of times it just comes down to this. When we see what happens with the uh, police encounters or law enforcement encounters with other races, specifically Caucasians, it seems like, seems like shooting that individual is the last resort. But when it comes to people who look like me, it's a first priority, second priority, or they just get to that option so much quicker than they do with uh, other individuals. I watched two videos earlier today. I watched the man tell a police officer, I'll effing kill you, pointing at him. How dare you pull a gun on me in front of my child? I'll effing kill you. Nothing happened. You see a black man regardless of what he may or may not have been reaching for. You could have tackled him. There was multiple cops. Like, it was just something else that could have been done. And I feel like, you know, these, uh, I feel like these athletes understand that they have a voice. They're willing to do something about it, regardless of whether it changes something today, a change is made. 10 months, 10 years, 50 years from now, at some point you have to say something. The people who take a greater issue in someone trying to make a change because they don't feel like it's their place to do so, even though they live in this country, they're Americans just like everyone else, they pay taxes just like everyone else at any given moment, they themselves can have an encounter with the police just like any other individual. We see and hear about athletes getting arrested all the time. If one of them ends up like a Jacob Blake, like a Sean Bell, like a Tamir Rice, at that point, that's when they should say something or they can never say anything. Like, I just don't get why they can't do something or why they can't say something, why they can't take advantage of their platform. I applaud them for doing so. I believe I understand why. Even if I wasn't black, it's just an issue that needs to be addressed. Regardless of what the issue is, if we have an issue, it should be addressed. And I 
I applaud them. I agree with it. Likewise, Carl. Yeah. It's crazy that we're, I mean, we're more than halfway through this year and we're still, I mean, having this, this uh, discussion, of, you know, police brutality and everything that, that kind of goes along with it. While you were talking, I was trying to remember, because um, me and Barry, we were talking about it earlier. And um, we were just saying how like, um, how like you're giving the benefit of the doubt to a very particular like set of people, you know, groups of people in a lot, in other cases, they're not like we're saying where it seems like the first or second option, right? We've seen so many videos now um, that uh, when it comes to uh, arresting or just kind of subduing uh, somebody being allegedly unlawful, when it comes to white um, people, it's usually uh, somebody that they're not there's not excessive force used to apprehend them as opposed to when it's uh, black people, you know. So I think people, if you have eyes, right, and you can see, you know, the despair that, that occurs every day in life in our country, I think for you to tell somebody to, you know, shut up and dribble and, like, not to be political, like, people forget that, you know, these games, you know, NBA games are what, 48 minutes, right? Um, you know, NFL games or whatever minutes, you know, so for those 48 minutes, you're an NBA player, but for the rest of your life, you're, you know, you're African-American and you're black, you know, and you have to walk around with the knowledge of that you are treated with a different set of skill, skills a different set of rules, it feels like, you know, in this country when it comes to police, you know. And I definitely felt like my personal, um, just like when I'm driving around, I'm definitely more aware of my surroundings and I'm definitely more aware when, you know, cops are, are present, you know. Um, but in relations to the league and stuff, I brought them and I took their hats off to them because, you know, these people, they, part of the reason why they're, they're even playing is to provide for their family. You know, they're basketball players prior to starting the family. A lot of them have family members. I mean, they had mothers and, you know, fathers and other family members they probably needed to take care of too, you know. So um, anytime you know, somebody's livelihood is in jeopardy, you know, and I think that's what we're ultimately talking about. The livelihood of black people, you know, able to coexist with a institution that behind currently is, is, is designed to, um, well, it's supposed to protect us, but it hasn't been. I was going to say something more harsh, but no, it's, it's just, it hasn't been what it's been for other people. And I think that the world has been given 
with the pandemic earlier in the year. We had, you know, um, everybody was home. People were watching way more TV. And you saw what was going on Sunday. And I think George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, among others, spark that um, that flame that continues to burn. Um, but we just have to be vigilant. We have to continue to um, stay the course, you know. And people like LeBron James, you know, um, and other NBA players, you know, kudos to them for using the platform um, to speak out. Because as long as we assume that role, they nothing move, you know, without a, you know, they can try. Right, you can find people, whatever, but like ultimately, you're not going to have the same type of cachet. You're not going to have the same type of um, relationship you would have otherwise if you didn't. Um, I guess agree to the terms that the players are establishing, and so I'm glad to see this. You know, especially with the NBA being at the forefront of it. Now, the NFL, we haven't seen you know much from them. I don't know if things will slowly start to change, but you know that's a different set of uh, you know owners, different set of owners, different set of you know rules. Um, the rules can be changed, but yeah, I, I'm I'm hopeful. You know, I do want to see basketball though. <laughs> I will I will say I was like ah. But then you have to realize it's basketball can happen anytime. You know, an opportunity to preserve life. You know, we don't we don't always have that opportunity. So um, yeah, that's my. Um. So there is a lot to unpack there from both of you guys. Um, I will say that first and foremost, I am fine with the players doing deciding to do what they did. I think that people always forget that, A, they're human beings. It's always been bigger than basketball for them. It's just the fact that we always see them in the light of the sport that you play, you talking sports, you playing, whatever the case is. Um, so I'm, I'm completely on board with them doing that. When they initially stepped out, my first question was kind of, okay, well, what happens after this? Are we talking, you know, postponing the whole season or canceling the whole season? You know, I wanted to figure out what the next plan of action is going to be. I don't know what their list of demands are, um, and maybe those will start to come out over the next day or so, uh, especially since the they've decided to, you know, continue playing. So I think games are going to be hopefully rescheduled for Saturday um, and pick everything back up from there. Um, but I do think that the players did the right thing, and I think that it took a lot of balls to do this. People just make it sound like, oh, well, they're millionaires. They just said, we're not going to play. Well, you have plenty of money, whatever. People don't realize that by them boycotting, had the season been postponed, the owners could have said, you know what? Let's go scrap this collective bargaining agreement. Let's go back to the bargaining table. We're going to come up with a new agreement. Basically, it could result in money and perks being taken away from the players as a result. So they ultimately did put their money where their mouths are. A lot of these players have donated their time, donated their money to a lot of causes. You've seen a lot of these players marching in the streets before the bubble, you know, came, came into play. So they've been out there. 
but I think that they can still expect more from these owners um, because even though these players are millionaires, some of them aren't millionaires. You know, some of them are making minimum contracts, which are still less than a million dollars for like the young player. Um, but it's the owners that are a part of the real 1% in America. They're the ones that own a professional basketball team. Mind you, to be able to own a team, usually you have other business ventures. You know, Robert Kraft, we know Robert Kraft for, you know, the whole Kraft brand itself. So it's not just him owning the Patriots. Uh, so these guys have, they have a real political pool. They could go call the attorney general for a state. They can call the governor for a state and say, I need you to do this, this, and this, or guess who's not donating to your campaign, you know, when you're up for re-election. Guess who's not going to do this? Well, that's fine. We won't do this. We won't donate here. Like, there's a lot of things that the owners can do if the owners are expected to do it. But I do have to shout out Kyrie because I think that Kyrie kind of was ahead of the curve on it. He just yeah. kind of said things, things, something's not right. Something's off. Uh, maybe he didn't pinpoint exactly this, but he was onto something. So I do have to give, you know, Ky Kyrie his due. I know we love to talk about how Kyrie's crazy because he thinks the earth is flat and has all these, you know, off the wall theories. So that's a troll people. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, so I know we, we love to kind of put Kyrie in that box and say, you know, he's just an out there kind of dude, but he was onto something here. And, you know, he said this, he said this two months ago and, you know, now here we are today kind of seeing the stuff that he was talking about. Um, but it took a lot of balls for the players to do this. It still makes me disappointed that a lot of people still don't get what's actually going on. Like if you click on a, a post right now from ESPN and read the first 10 comments, it's a lot of people still talking about how um, Jacob Blake wasn't a martyr. Oh, well, he had a criminal record, blah, blah, blah. Like, people are not realizing it's not even about one person alone. Like he's just the next in line, but we're talking, we're talking about 400 years of hurt ultimately that has never actually really been remedied. And we've just been expected to move on from it this entire time. But here's the thing though, Sid, like, and I agree 100% with what you just said, what people don't understand, like in that moment, did he deserve pay right? I mean, like, Criminals go to jail. They get processed. They start, to, you know what I mean? It's like the mass shooters, right? Just like the people who commit heinous crimes, they serve time. Or depending on what your state is, you know, I don't, I don't know who still has um, like public execution. But I mean, that's literally that's like if that's. Um, I shouldn't, see, shouldn't even say that's an option. Like that should be that should be the case for more people of color when it's just not. You're just right there, and then it's like we skip the whole uh, like uh, let's process you phase, and then we get straight into the all right execution, right? And then. You have no way to defend yourself, right, in the court of public opinion after your 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 past, right? You have one side saying that this person's criminal because they serve time, you know what I mean? And or because they have priors, or just because 
whatever. You know, you can fill in the blank. That doesn't mean that they deserve to die. And I feel like people need to get away with saying that because if somebody graded you on your the worst paper you ever wrote in college, you'd be like, well, no, I learned how to write better. Like, I don't, that's not me. You know what I mean? I think that people are very short-sighted in that regard. Um, it shouldn't end with death. It shouldn't end with somebody deciding whether or not this person should live or not when they have the opportunity, right? When they have the opportunity and the means to subdue them, like to ask them uh, safely, you know what I mean? Or handcuff them. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah, and, and, I, and I feel you 100%. I talked to my dad about it earlier today. And I'm not going to go into all the particulars in the video because that's a whole other rabbit hole as well. But if you watch the video, mind you, the cops already have their guns drawn before he's even walking to the front seat of his vehicle. A, I don't know why that's the case. Um, you have three officers. Do you know if he's armed at that point? You know, whatever the case is. But they practically escorted him to the front, you know, to the front seat of his vehicle and allowed him to even reach in. So it was it was basically entrapment. It was basically setting up a, a situation to where the officers can now say, I fear for my life. So I get, I have the legal right to pull the trigger. You know, they could have easily stopped him from getting to the front seat. Easily. He walked all the way, he walked all the way to the other side of his vehicle. Come on. And there's three of you. So it's, it, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole thing, but people don't look at it like that. People just want to look at your record. They want to look at Oh, uh, reportedly there was a knife in the vehicle, um, you know, whatever. But you know what? Jacob Blake and uh, Carl, I want to uh, either correct you or just bring it to question. Um, as far as I know, Jacob Blake has not died. Uh, as far as I know, he's still like, I don't know if he's in like critical I'm condition. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. So he's, but he is suffering like life altering injuries. From what I heard, he's supposed to be like paralyzed from the waist down or something like that now. So, yeah, um, I mean, you shoot him His life has changed time. forever. Yeah, like you said, I mean, you walk a man from one side of the vehicle to the other, basically. I mean, you like, I, you see how close you are. You didn't have to shoot the man that many times in the back. Like, I've seen much worse and no shootings take place, but the other person was in a completely, you know, he, he didn't right. look like me. Mm -hmm. And I yeah, and I and I think that part of the problem with, you know, fans, or I'm not even calling them fans, because if you're actually fans of these athletes, fans of these sports, you would actually seek to empathize with these players. You would actually want to understand where they're coming from. But people don't care. They they care about the product and the service that you're able to provide them. So they care about the entertainment. They don't care about these people at all. But if you actually did, you would seek to empathize with the players. Yes, these players may be millionaires now. You know, they may be in neighborhoods they couldn't afford, you know, when they were younger. But think about, and this is something I'd be interested in. I would love to hear the players share some of their stories, you know, of racism and discrimination coming up so that you can kind of show that, yes, they are human. Like, yes, they may not be dealing with some of those same issues now because they're living in these, you know, rich neighborhoods. Some of them actually still are. Uh, I heard a story about Vince Carter where he said in the neighborhood he lives in, even when he's walking to the mailbox, he still makes sure to have his ID on him. You know what I mean? Who in that neighborhood is doing that? 
you know, just because he doesn't want to get a situation where he gets pulled over and someone pulls up on him and tries to claim he doesn't live in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like your average white person doesn't have to think about those kind of things. Um, in our lives, for example, I don't know if you guys do it, but like if I'm walking, you know, on a sidewalk and a white lady is walking past me, I usually go out of my way to make sure that I look as welcoming as I can be. I'm only, and you're talking like, you know, close contact for half a second. You know what I mean? But I don't want her to feel threatened. You know what I mean? I don't want her to have to clutch her purse. I don't want her to, you know, turn into a Karen and flip on me and say that I did this, this, and that. Like, there are just a lot of things that, you know, we have to think about just off of the color of our skin. And yeah, if you could just, yeah, and if you could just think about that and just say, wow, that's crazy that you guys have to actually go through that, right? You guys feel that way. I feel like a lot of these issues will be resolved, but people don't care. People are so caught up in their understanding, their perspective from their lives and can't even fathom the possibility that someone else goes through something different. That's all I mean, what it comes down to. Every morning I get up, I make a cup of coffee, I put it in my little thermos, I go for a walk every morning. I'm afraid, like even there was times where I'd, you know, it's nighttime. I have on sweatpants. I have on a sweater. I, you know, have my hood up because my head be cold. I go for a jog every time. I'm afraid, like, or it crosses my mind at the very least. What if somebody, well, we have a suspicious character, as if people don't jog, as if people don't walk. Like, I, I just don't know. But I know it's happened. So I know it's a possibility. And... I mean, I really don't like when people try to make it seem like these athletes have to deal with something even themselves or they try to, you know, judge them on their lives and their money or you're rich, so you don't have to deal well. They might have a cousin, nephew, niece, friend, somebody that has to go, I mean, that has to deal with it. And even if they don't, why do I have to know someone directly or why do I have to deal with something directly to sympathize with another individual? Yeah. You know, I don't and have to be directly affected by it to feel an effect from it. Yeah, I and to pick know. and to piggyback to piggyback off that real quick, um, I think some of the biggest changes that we've seen in modern history, you know, things have been able to change when the people that are largely unaffected are just as outraged and jump in and create change. You think the civil rights movement happened only because of black people? It's just not Even the case. Yet. For the people who don't understand what we're dealing with, everybody who cried about 9-11 did not cry about somebody that they personally knew. It was an effect that they felt because of something that happened to our country. It's right. what they define as patriotism but they just don't understand it when it's something that we feel within our own community. They can't. That's, that's Man, like for some reason you feel like even if you don't sympathize yourself, don't fight against me. If you have an issue of understanding, either try to seek it and lean on somebody else and stop trying to understand it yourself because you're having a difficult time doing it or just stay out the way. Because the more you try to cause an issue with us trying to resolve an issue, it just makes it much more difficult. I'll give you an example. Gay rights. 
I may have my opinion on the act, but I'm not going to stop this person who wants to marry someone of their same sex from being able to do so. If you see an issue with the fact that, I mean, this was something that took place at one point in time, it's been resolved, they can do it. I'm, I'm not sure if they can do it in every single state, but at one point in time, in no state could you marry someone of your same sex, to my knowledge. Somebody took issue with it. Somebody made it a point to have that corrected so that that community could be able to do that. I'm not going to say no and stand outside and, you know, pick it against it. I'm not going to argue with it. If that's something that you want to be able to do, I may have an opinion on it, but go ahead because I'm not going to stop you from being able to do that. If you don't like what's going on within our community because we take an issue with the way that we're being treated, just keep your comments to yourself. Stay in the house. Stop tearing down Black Lives Matter signs. Stop interrupting protests. Stop just making it much more difficult for us to have the issue resolved. Because if it is resolved, which it should be, the country itself is just going to be that much more better. You don't like that we're complaining, but you're making it much more difficult for us to resolve the issue so we can end all the complaints. We want it to cease as well, but we can't because the police brutality won't stop and we keep arguing with people who just don't get it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, a, I think it's a, also an issue of, and one thing that, that bothers me a lot is how people talk about, well, LeBron shouldn't have done this or the players shouldn't have done that because they're just dividing the country even more. The act of what these players are doing alone is not divisive. That's not dividing the country. All that it's actually doing is holding up a mirror to the nation to show where we're actually at today. You know, this stuff is in people's hearts. So the people that are going against it and saying all lives matter and blah, 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 going against the movement, LeBron doing what he did didn't impact any of that. They already had it in their hearts. They were just waiting for someone to trigger it. That's ultimately what it is. So stop. I don't want to hear, well, the players are being divisive. Doc Rivers is being divisive, blah, blah, blah. That's not, that's not the issue. It's just the fact that by me saying it and your reaction is showing that, hey, LeBron is valid in what he's saying. Doc Rivers is valid in what he's saying because this is America. You guys are just in denial and acting like, you know, LeBron is making you do this. No, nothing that LeBron says is going to make me do anything. I'm choosing yeah. to do that. Start to take accountability for where you're at as a person, take accountability for where we are as a nation and realize that's not right. And we got to do better period. And if you don't want to do that, then that's fine. Don't say anything about it. You don't have to participate in the conversation. You're willingly participating in it. Something has to happen. I like that we're starting with something, but something got to change. Yeah, no, it it does. It does. And I mean, and it's a, it's a multifaceted issue. Cause I mean, even as we're talking just police brutality and police relations, that's just one little, that's one twig on the entire tree. You know what I mean? There's so much more. Uh, it all kind of comes from the same root, you know, being racism, discrimination, prejudice, you know, all that. But, we got so many different issues, you know, uh, the discrimination that black women, you know, face, 
whether you're talking about in the workplace or uh, even this whole Megan the Stallion situation is kind of showing the issue of Black women, you know, kind of being underrepresented and disrespected to an extent. So that's a whole nother rabbit hole we can get into uh, off air or something like that. But um, there's a lot of, if, you, if you're on, if you're a part of this movement, just realize this is one stop. We got 20 more stops to make. And you know what? This isn't just going to end one day. So it's a, it's an ongoing thing. Um, yeah, but, but something definitely has to change. Uh, there definitely needs to be more action. I am proud of the number of people, whether it's people, other people of color, uh, whether it's white people that have hopped on and tried to find ways to contribute to an overall solution, um, even one that may not affect them the same way that it affects, you know, us as, as black men, especially. Um, I appreciate the efforts, but uh, more, more has to be done. Um, it's going to have to go to the point where some of these congressmen, you, we're going to have to start to limit congressman terms. You can't be in Congress for 30 years and be a racist. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. just not doing any good for our nation. Like, you got people that have been in Congress since, you know, the crack ep epidemic in the 80s. You know what I mean? And they thought that was just fine. And they've still been in office. So it's a it's a deeply rooted issue. And it's, it's going to take some time. But uh, as long as we just continue to take steps toward a solution and not just, you know, get riled up every single time something happens and then let it die out. That reminds me, uh, Sid, I was speaking to uh, Taylor Kimber the other day, and she um, was telling me how, you know, she's, I, I had some questions for her about, you know, the Biden, Kamala Harris pick and stuff like that. And um, I just had like, uh, like some other questions about her, like po politically, and she, asked, she told me, if we ever wanted like have a forum, well, she said like for you, she's, she knows that you do um, straight out of Fresno, like leading up to the election, you ever wanted to have a forum where it was her and then I don't know, I don't know, you know, Sarah Hayes, but they run the um, Fresno, I think Democrat, Democrats, um, yeah. and maybe have like, um, well, it'd probably be difficult to do like a um, public thing, but just if we even just have like a, you know, a giant webinar, you know, and only people just just having like a almost like a town hall where people voice their opinion, but more so just like educating people, uh, giving people the opportunity to ask questions, um, and so. You know, like a lot of our issues would be resolved if we were more informed. You know, a lot of people don't act because they feel like they're making an ill-informed decision. So, just something to throw out there. Yeah. No, for sure, for sure. And I'm I'm already drained talking talking about this whole this whole boycott situation. It's been it's been a lot to take in over the past you know few days since the Jacob Blake shooting. Um, it's just unfortunate that somehow we end up being in this same spot and you get to the point where you start to feel helpless. You know what I mean? Like, is this ever going to change? Um, at what point is everyone going to be, you know, equally outraged about, you know, these kind of situations? 
uh, when can we move forward as a nation? Um, it, it, it's a lot, it's a lot to take in. So uh, I definitely, you know, pray for, pray for you guys for, you know, strength and the ability to persevere through this whole thing. Cause you know, as just as we're seeing every day and we've known obviously as young black men, being black in America isn't easy. You know, we don't, and even then we don't even really complain about it too much. We've been trained to, you know, push forward. We've been equipped with kind of knowing that we're always going to have to put out 10 times more to get to the same spot. You know what I mean? So we're not opposed to the hard work, but at the same time, you know, this isn't about hard work. This is about preserving life. You know, it's much bigger than that. So um, hopefully, hopefully we can see. What'd you say, Carl? Yeah, it's a completely different argument at this point or a completely different, you know, conversation, a dialogue. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, man, hopefully I'll just continue to pray and hope that people can open their eyes to it somehow. I can't, I can't convert people though. So I can't be, you know, on the Facebook comments, you know, going back and forth for an hour, you know, about, you know, why Black Lives Matter isn't a terrorist, you know, uh, terrorist statement and all this stuff. But, you know, y'all got anything else to add on this? Uh, arrest the police who shot Breonna Taylor. Yes, or yes. I, I don't get what the holdup is. I don't get it. And Elijah McClain. And Elijah McClain. Yeah. Yep. I was trying to remember his name. Yes, Elijah McClain as well. Yeah, yeah. So, man, I I don't want to see more people added to the list, man. I want to I want to get to the point where we have to stop saying justice for Breonna Taylor because the government is doing their job to ensure that that's a thing. You know, once once you know people start getting arrested and held accountable, we're not going to be protesting in the streets because justice will be on our side. That's all we want. That's ultimately all we want. We're not asking for extra stuff. We're not asking for everyone to wear Black Lives Matter shirts and do all this, you know, kind of publicity ploy and stuff. We just, we just want people to be held accountable for their actions is what it comes down to. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, I did want to say uh, before we wrap up, I don't know who it was, but some people have been still listening to our episodes and watching episodes uh, while we were out on hiatus. Um, a lot of people actually. So we do appreciate you guys. I believe we're over 1500 views and listens on all of our platforms now. And that like skyrocketed that like damn near doubled from where we were when we left, when we left for hiatus. So uh, appreciate y'all checking out, you know, old episodes and old content and all that continue to, you know, share the podcast with people, you know, like, follow, subscribe, you know, wherever, wherever you check us out at. And uh, yeah, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. we got more content coming for you guys. So. I would clap. Uh, I... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, y'all got anything else to add? That's a wrap. It's a wrap. Hey. All right. What'd you say, Carl? Uh, Brandon? I said we appreciate all the fans and the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Till next time, y'all. Love y'all. Love y'all too. Amen.